Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Tossing and turning all night like a salad. It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. I'm Jill, and I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. There are a lot of things that influence developing an addiction, and none of them are that we're weak-willed losers. In the Sober Powered Podcast, you'll learn how and why addiction develops, how alcohol changes the brain to keep us drinking, and most importantly, that you're not alone. The things you experience are experienced by many of us. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. Today I'm going to talk about romanticizing alcohol. 
You'll learn why we selectively remember the positive memories of our drinking, why the negative memories fade away, and how this can lead us to drink again. I have a very cool study to tell you about too that looked at how quickly negative memories fade for moderate drinkers versus heavy drinkers. And if you struggle with romanticizing alcohol, then I will give you some tips at the end of this episode for dealing with these thoughts. So let's dig in. This episode was originally created for Christmas Eve 2021, so if you're listening to it when it's released, then Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. The holiday season can be the hardest time for a sober person, so I thought a conversation about romanticizing alcohol would help you. Maybe you're trying to rationalize one glass of wine on Christmas or one glass of champagne on New Year's Eve, and if that's the case, then make sure to check out my YouTube too because I have a few videos there about romanticizing alcohol and I'll include the links for that in the show notes. Also, FYI, I'm going to say the word affect a lot, but I don't mean like cause and effect. So affect in psychology means emotions or feelings. It's a common human experience to look back on your past with tenderness and fond memories. This becomes a big problem, though, when it's your drinking past and you're selectively remembering the good stuff. There's a wise quote by Lao Tzu that says, If you are depressed, you are living in the past. If you are anxious, you are living in the future. If you are at peace, you are living in the present. I love this quote because we can apply it to sobriety, too. If you're thinking about the good old days of your drinking, then you're depressed and feel hopeless about your future not drinking. If you're thinking about the future and getting through life without alcohol, then you're anxious and worried if you will be successful in sobriety. But if you can find a way to live in the present and accept your non-drinking life for what it is, then you will be happier. The key to living in the present is accepting that you are not drinking and accepting the reality of what your drinking is. When I romanticize alcohol and start thinking fondly of my drinking memories, I bring myself back to acceptance and remembering that I am just not someone who can drink in a romantic way. The longer you stay sober, the easier it is to minimize the bad stuff and romanticize the good stuff from your drinking past. This process is called rosy retrospection, and it's our tendency to recall the past more fondly than the present. And it's a cognitive bias that we all have. So cognitive bias is an error in thinking that occurs when we are processing and interpreting information in the world, and it affects the decisions and judgments that we make. So you might be thinking, well, why does the brain intentionally make errors? And this is because the brain is always trying to simplify things and keep us alive. This is why we form habits. And I explained this process a lot back in episode 28. The brain wants to conserve energy for our survival. It doesn't know that there's an excess of calories all around most of us and that food can be so easy to obtain. Thinking and making decisions requires a lot of calorie expenditure. So a bias is a tendency to favor one thing over another in a way that isn't fair. So the brain relies on shortcuts and simplifying things so that we can make sense of the world quickly. We don't want to have to stand around and think about everything before we can decide what's going on. So this is why we have cognitive biases, because they allow us to make quick, in-the-moment decisions. Our most vivid long-term memories are often from the ages of 10 to 30, with the most memories being in our 20s. So this is called the reminiscence bump and is also when some of life's most significant moments occur. 
So the reason this happens too is because younger people have greater levels of hormones and neurotransmitters like dopamine. And we know from this podcast that dopamine is critical for memory formation. If you miss this information, then go back and listen to episode 61. And remember, in the show notes, I have what to listen to next, and I remind you of all these episodes that I'm saying. So studies suggest that negative memories of our life are more complex than positive ones, and that they decay faster over time compared to positive memories. So this means that as time goes on, our positive memories are easier for our brain to access than the negative ones. So negative memories just fade away quicker. This means that the romantic memories of alcohol stay strong, while the memories of throwing up in public, falling, and having drunk fights with people will fade. Very bad memories, though, will usually stay pretty vivid in our minds. So we are able to recall the worst times of our drinking with lots of detail and shame ourselves for those memories. So this allows us to make excuses, too, because we can convince ourselves that we will never be like that again or that was the old us because the negative memories of our drinking that were less impactful and more routine, like hangovers, guilt, anxiety, and regret, start to fade away. The idea the idea of negative memories fading quicker was first proposed in the 1930s with psychologists asking people about life events and categorizing them as pleasant or unpleasant. The researchers followed up weeks later unannounced and asked the people to recall the same memories. So they found that almost 60% of the unpleasant memories were forgotten, but only 42% of the positive memories had faded away. Studies have found that while this type of fading is present in all groups and cultures, mental health has a really big impact on which memories fade. People with depression will especially struggle with recalling positive memories. And if a person is insecure, bad memories may persist longer than they would in people who are more confident. If you have depression, then you might be ruminating on unpleasant memories and reinforcing them in your mind because rehearsal is how we reinforce memories. And this makes them stronger than they would be for a person without depression. So it skews this fading effect. The uneven fading of negative memories compared to positive ones is called the fading affect bias. And it exists so that we can view our lives as pleasant overall. So you can think of it like a built-in coping mechanism that helps us think our life is generally good. It's like when a woman gives birth and the experience was horrible and lasted forever, but she doesn't remember that part as strongly when she looks back on the experience. She just remembers the positive parts. The issue with negative drinking memories is that this fading affect bias increases the likelihood that we will repeat the behavior since we're slowly forgetting the bad parts while the perceived good parts are hanging around much longer. So I read a really cool study that I want to tell you about. So it's a study from 2013 by Gibbons and colleagues and it was published in Consciousness and Cognition. And what they found was that the fading affect bias was substantially larger for alcohol events than it was for ordinary events. However, this was only for heavy drinkers, which they classified as people who consumed 24 or more drinks per week. So that might sound like a lot to you, but remember, one standard drink is pretty small. One glass of wine at a restaurant could easily be two or two and a half standard drinks. 
And if you drink a bottle of wine a night, then you are consuming 35 drinks per week. If you drink a six pack per night, then you are consuming 42 drinks per week. So it adds up really fast. So in this study, for people that had low to average alcohol consumption, the fading affect bias was the opposite. The negative memories from alcohol events hung around longer. So this means that the fading affect bias may discourage low to moderate drinkers from drinking too much because they remember the hangovers and all of the other minor unpleasant parts. So there's one sentence from this paper that really stuck with me and I want to read it to you. The researchers were talking about the heavy drinkers here and how their negative alcohol memories fade much quicker. So they said, For such individuals, the unpleasant affect attached to events evolving alcohol fades quickly, helping them recover and prepare for the next drinking occasion. So the unpleasant feelings fade quicker and this helps us recover and prepare for the next drinking occasion. So what this means is that low and moderate drinkers are learning from their mistakes and remembering the bad parts of the drinking experience. So when they consider drinking again, they weigh the pros and cons and decide if it's worth the negative parts. For heavy drinkers, we're not learning anything, and we can't accurately look at drinking for what it is. We always think it's going to be different this time, or we seriously romanticize the experience. We forget the negative parts very quickly, so they don't weigh in on our decision to drink or not. It's like they just disappear from our mind. So my husband doesn't have a problem with alcohol, and you may know him. He was on the podcast in episode 32. So he's truly a take-it-or-leave-it drinker. And because of that, I like to ask him about his experience to reinforce why I can never drink ever again, because I do not share any part of his experience. He is so different from the way that I think about alcohol. I never weighed the pros and cons, and he does that every time he thinks about maybe drinking. So I just thought about how I wanted to drink, but I knew I shouldn't, and then eventually talked myself into drinking. Weighing the pros and cons looks more like, well, I'm going out tonight and I want a beer, but I also want to enjoy my day tomorrow, get some good sleep and not feel hungover. And then you consider both of those realities and make the best choice for you. You're not convincing yourself or talking yourself into anything or having cravings or something like that. So there's a big difference between take it or leave it drinkers and problem drinkers. So for problem drinkers, there are two main reasons why we romanticize alcohol so strongly. The process of rosy retrospection and the fading affect bias. Rosy retrospection makes us think that the past was better than the present, even if that's not true. When we start comparing our present to this biased version of our past, then the present becomes a lot worse than it actually is. And this makes us believe things like we're better off drinking, people liked us better when we were drinking, or that we're missing out by not drinking. Add in the fading affect bias and how skewed that is for heavy drinkers, and you have a major problem. The everyday negative memories from drinking fade much quicker than they do for moderate drinkers, and we have this biased fake view of how good the good old days were. This makes it really easy to convince ourselves that we should drink again. So if you're struggling with romanticizing alcohol, then first just realize that that's totally okay and normal. Alcohol is so glamorized and accepted in our society that it makes us hard for us to not drink. 
And it's already hard enough to not drink when you're obsessed with drinking. So you can romanticize alcohol and accept that you don't drink in a romantic way at the same time. What helps me is recognizing that I can't have one drink and be satisfied. I don't slowly sip on a glass of wine. So seeing the truth about what our drinking really is helps when these types of thoughts pop up. I was romanticizing alcohol a lot this past summer. And I took that as a signal that a little extra support wouldn't hurt, so I attended some virtual meetings. If you're having these thoughts often, then take that as a signal that you may need some extra support right now to stay on the right path. So you can attend virtual meetings with your camera off too. It doesn't have to be an in-person thing. And there are other options besides AA if that isn't for you. But extra support could also look like starting work with a therapist, being more present in the online sober community, reading more books, taking on a new hobby that keeps you busy and makes you feel fulfilled. There are a lot of options. But if you're romanticizing alcohol a lot, then that's a sign that you need to add something to your toolbox. You shouldn't ignore it because it could evolve into cravings. So overall, if you're romanticizing alcohol, I want you to remember that if you could have just one drink and feel satisfied, you'd already be doing that. So happy holidays. I hope that you have a great day. Reach out if you need some support. You are absolutely not alone. Check out my videos on YouTube if you need extra encouragement. And I will talk to you next week. Madeline and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety and lots of how-to for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.